In the past few years, the amount of data accumulated in agriculture has been startling, but now it's being put to work to make better use of every resource, especially in irrigation. Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Vocher, host and editorial director for Farm Progress. Managing water for crop use is a hot topic. Over the past few years, regulations and attention has turned to how farmers use water to raise everything from corn to almonds. And while that attention isn't always positive for farmers, there is good news. We're getting better at understanding when a crop needs water and how much, bringing much higher precision to the use of this key resource. And there's a consortium at work to pull that data together to help make sense of what we're learning. Amy Kremen is Associate Director of the Irrigation Innovation Consortium, which is hosted at Colorado State University. I connected with Amy recently during the annual irrigation show in Las Vegas to learn more about the organization and the work that's being done in the industry to help farmers keep getting better at water use. She shares insight on what IIC does, but also how the organization works with universities and cooperators to leverage all the data being captured to improve water use. It's an important issue, and IIC is taking a lead on a lot of that work. Amy Kremens, welcome to Around Farm Progress. Thank you for having me, Willie. This is great. <laughs> What's good? Um, we're talking today about something I don't think a lot of people, a lot of farmers listening. I mean, yes, we have dryland farmers who listen, but even irrigators may not know that there is a consortium focused solely on irrigation. What is it? Tell me about that. Well, the Irrigation Innovation Consortium started in 2018. So for the last five years, we've been working to bring um, sort of grounded ideas, uh, fill them out, fill them out with research and data, fill those knowledge gaps about the the management and practice of, of irrigation. How do we use some of the advanced and precision tools and really know what the benefits are of doing that and what the some of the, the outcomes and practicalities are that are associated with, with the use of those, those technologies and strategies. So coming to different sessions, and obviously I've been at the Irrigation Association meeting for several years, and last year was a big ASABE thing where they did a lot of presentations. There's a lot of data and information out there from all the major universities. How does IIC play into that, or do you work with them and pull it together? How does that work? Sure. So the IIC um, works with many universities. We have five sort of founding university partners that have been trying to work together to uh, map out the questions that need to be answered, and then find additional researchers both at those universities, but anywhere actually in the world that can work together collaboratively, not just with researchers, but also with the, the public sector and private companies to basically pull together and harness the expertise from all corners to actually know how to put the right amount of water in the right time at the right place and actually make it work on a practical basis and an economical basis for producers. Well, this might be a tough question, but we've been irrigating for a long time. Don't we know what to put on? Uh, You know, I would say that what we've learned is that everyone has always been doing the best they can with the amount of information that they have. And what's changed drastically in the last five to ten years is the amount of data that we have, which is actually really changing what we know. And now that we know um, a lot more about how to put the right amount of water, actually what the crop needs, much more dialed in in time, this is actually changing how we think about the various ways of putting that right amount of water and also inputs on. It's changing, it's really changing the game. So before, I think what we're seeing now is a relative, even in a, in a, in a normal to wet year, there's maybe a water savings and also input savings by dialing in when and where you put the water and the inputs to, to uh, the tune of, say, 10 to 30% in some years. 
So we just are better, get a better understanding of what that crop needs when it needs it. That's absolutely right. But that, that, that takes a lot of awareness in real time. But part of that awareness is training. I mean, uh, a lot of good farmers run a nice operation. They have a lot of center pivots. Do they know how to run them? I mean, I don't take that in a negative, but there's a positive. They're doing a fine job. Can they do better? Can they all do better? Oh, my gosh. These, these, these growers that are managing these operations are unbelievable. And the amount of information that they're kind of integrating in their minds and in their practices to make their operations run um, is phenomenal. That being said, there's, you know, there's a lot of growers that I'm talking to that said, you know, I always thought I managed super well. But when I finally got over the hump of figuring out how to use soil moisture probes in my um, sandier ground versus my clayier ground, when I actually figured out how to read those data curves, I realized that I wasn't managing my irrigation as intelligently as I could have. I always thought I was being the best manager possible, but now I realize not only can I do better, but there's actually significant water savings and economic savings attached to the way that I have changed my thinking and my mindset approach to, to managing water. Well, that's very interesting because how does a, a person get that information? I mean, uh, I'm, 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 I've gone to college, I've got my agronomy degree, I'm working with my, my name your favorite irrigation supplier, we're putting things down, we're using the probes. It may not be enough. You're doing some stuff at IIC and with other universities that's kind of unique. Uh, talk to me about the Master Irrigator Program. Yeah, the Master Irrigator Program is a is a wonderful format that basically provides a four-day comprehensive education um, it's basically a, a, a place for people to gather where lots of kinds of information are provided uh, over four days usually. Um, the program started in Texas by the North Plains Groundwater Conservation District and then that program's success and format actually really inspired um, basically copycat um, expansions into different states. So there's now a Colorado Master Irrigator Program, an Oklahoma Master Irrigator Program. There's a new program getting started in the Delta region this year, which we're super excited about as well. And so but what's happening is it provides, so some people might have an agronomy degree, but they might have never taken a soil science class. And so we talk about hydrology, we talk about soils, we talk about residue management, we talk about all of the different um, kinds of things you can do, low cost, high cost, no cost, to actually think about the farm as a system to figure out. So being a master irrigator actually involves many things that go well beyond the irrigation system, but also include things like um, the system updates and maintenance and how actually thinking about whether your pumps and systems are operating spec, how actually getting those systems optimized and how to pay for those changes to get your systems running properly can actually really make a huge difference in the short and long term. And I want to be clear, it says four days, but it's not four consecutive days. It's four days over a period of time, four eight-hour days, right? Yep, that's right. Or it can actually be shorter with some um, online learning as well. We always like to be really mindful in the winter of helping growers get to, like, wrestling practice and things like that. So we've um, we've created these programs, the curriculums. There's a, a, a commonality across all of them, but they are also locally designed so that and usually led by farmers that are saying these are the which issues should be elevated and focused on more in depth. The programs are also small. Class sizes have about 25 people and very interactive. So once people get over the shyness of kind of going back to school, so to speak, it's unbelievable the kinds of conversations where people are learning from their peers. You know, their people are super curious about what their peers are doing. And then we provide, in addition to that peer-to-peer -peer exchange, some of the data and the science that actually backs up some of those practical um, questions and um, actions that people are taking. 
That's fascinating. So those eight-hour eight stretches must be really interesting to sit through. They're amazing. You'd think it would be too long, but it's actually people really hang on because the quality of the, you know, the fact is that we're all learning. The university people are, that are there are learning. There's technical service providers that are there sharing and learning. The growers are sharing and learning, and it just becomes this environment where, you know, all of the pieces start to click together, and people can walk away saying, I, I heard about 30 things, and I have a plan now for how to use four of them this coming year. And also, we provide information on some of the incentive programs locally, state, federal, and help people figure out ways to pay for those changes if they if they want to if they want to move forward that way. Well that's a nice leg up to get access to equip or NRCS funding or at least the access to know how to apply for that funding. Those are complicated too. Absolutely. NRCS has been a phenomenal partner with Master Irrigator starting from the beginning program in Texas and also in Oklahoma and Colorado. Uh, the growers that graduate have are eligible for a criteria bump. So when they apply for um, uh, cost share they can actually they kind of you know, they basically, they're showing up saying, I've, I've taken this class, I've created a plan, there's a reason for what I'm doing, these are the goals that I have. Um, so they're really prepared to show up and say if they're getting soil moisture pro, really showing up prepared with a plan for how and why they're going to use those and the kinds of savings that they're, that they're aiming at. Now, this is fascinating. Four states, I mean, Delta is exciting. Kansas, Oklahoma, Colorado, Texas. How do you build on this? Is there a need to do something nationally with something like this? Yeah. Yes, we're actually, there's a, there's an ongoing conversation happening on a multi-state basis that, um, we are very open to having people join, producers, um, technical service providers, um, state, federal government, other folks. We are having an open conversation about how to take this format and scale it to the national level. So in this case, looking at not just center pivot systems, but surface irrigated and drip system, what does it mean to be a master irrigator? So using what we've learned about the successful program approach, which is super fun, you would not believe how much fun it is. To sit in class for eight hours a day for four days. No, it really is. The amount of learning and the exchange and the connections that people make and the utility this has after the fact um, really does make us confident looking at the adaptation that's happened so far that this is actually something that needs to happen at a national level. People are hungry for this conversation and with what's happening with precipitation shifts and drought in the West, um, the need to help everybody um, level up wherever they can to have labor savings and make their water work for them. It's not just good for them, it's good for the nation. It's good for our food supplies. It's good for um, you know the stability we need in our food systems and our ag value chain. So there's a lot of great, great, great things that can come from this. So we're very excited to take this conversation to the national level. Well, it is interesting to take it to the national level, partly because we kind of want to get ahead of the curve. We want to take control of our irrigation story before somebody else takes it from us and tells us how to do it, which won't happen right now. But there's greater concern about water use in this country. Oh, absolutely. And when we see some of the things that people can do that will really help them, decisions they can make now um, where they can use the data like we were talking about earlier so that they're actually, um, you know, charting their own path with the decisions they want to make and making things work, making their water work better for their dollar today and then thinking for, you know, how it's going to work for the long term. That way, if somebody does come knocking with from a, from a regulatory standpoint or whatever, we would really like to have the growers be ready to say, yeah, I'm on it. I'm showing you how I'm doing the very best I can, and here's how I can show you how that is. It's just a, it's just a fascinating concept, the whole idea of just leveling up on the irrigation education. What other things are you working on at IIC that that, that excite you? Oh my goodness. We have, uh, well, we've funded 40 projects to date on a wide range of hardware, software, um, um, 
algorithms, models, various kinds of things. What I'm most excited now is actually how we're starting to bring all of the stories of this piece together. Um, we've got uh, some interesting things looking at how do you take what you can do with evapotranspiration and what's happening in the soil and what's happening in real-time knowledge and actually put that together into an integrated platform where people don't have to have like 44 apps on their phone, but they can actually find all this information in one place in a way that it is really ground truth and reliable. Um, so we're starting to work on some projects like that. Another project that I'm super excited about is the Testing Ag Performance Solutions Program, a program that started in Nebraska, also is operating in Oklahoma, and we have a new uh, a new TAPS program that we're developing for Colorado as well. And what that does is a farm management competition where growers get to select their hybrid, their seeding rate, their inputs over time. And what's so wonderful about that is it's laid out all the farmers competing, but on the same field. So they grow their crop throughout the season, they market it, they put crop insurance on it, and we can actually look at, because of the way the, um, the co competition is run, you know, who is the most profitable and who is the most input use efficient, and what are all the decisions that are made with the hybrid selection and the seeding rate and all those things, and the timing of when and how much nitrogen and water they use that actually leads to the successful outcomes. That project has been going in Nebraska for um, six years now and in Oklahoma for four. And so we have a project right now with the IIC to actually mine that data set and look at things like, um, did the winners who were the most efficient, how does that relate to how often they looked at some of the technology that was in the field? TAPS is like a try before you buy. We've got the field instrumented with all kinds of different sensors and technologies, and the farmers are all over. They don't even visit the field. They look at their crop through a portal on just on a computer where they've got all kinds of data from soil moisture sensors and flyovers and other things where they manage the crop the entire season just remotely. So it's a really cool way to develop trust or see if a tool and the interface of these different sensors actually feels right to you and it is intuitive for you to use. So we can do some data now. We data analysis and see like when did people use those technologies and how did that translate into outcomes. We can also look at a lot of these things like looking at different hybrids and hybrid seeding rates and how that actually played out over time in different weather years with regard to when and how much nitrogen and water was applied. So actually creating a really solid science-based workflow basis for knowing how to make the most out of all the inputs that you're using and spending for. The exciting thing about TAPS to me is this gamification of the data. And to me, when you gamify something, it gets the buy-in, the skin in the game. To use a lot, why not use another analogy? But anyway, the idea that I've got this and I'm going to I'm going to beat that neighbor. I mean, that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's that they're trying to to beat that person. So inter interesting interactions out of Oklahoma and Nebraska on that program, right? Oh, oh, absolutely. And and when you get some like student teams in the game or even um, state agencies competing, you know, it actually it's it's really great because you realize. Everyone's, everyone's trying to do their best, and so this gets back to something we said before. Everyone's been trying to figure this out, and they're always trying to perform and manage their best. So if it's not broke, don't change it. And in this case, though, we really are advancing what we can know while um, basically harnessing you know, and really capturing the expertise from all of the different segments of society, whether it's the, the folks that are providing the tools, the growers themselves, the universities, the university platform being used in a much more interactive way. Mm. It's basically taking everything and leveling up, which is one of the things that makes it so great. And we don't want to leave Florida out of this because Florida oh, does right. have a TAPS program too. Right. So anybody listening to this, you could just Google TAPS and irrigation. Those two words together will get you interested in information. So IIC is aggregating that data. I know we talked about that the other day. Um, 
that'll be fascinating too, just to see the learnings into one place. I mean, how long is that going to take? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> it's probably going to take a while, but we, we are working on the next 18 months okay. to work on a series of kind of the, the stories from the data that we think are the most useful to folks. Like, mm-hmm. what about using these different soil moisture probes? What can that tell us about when and how much you're using those in terms of the outcomes that we're seeing from the competition? What can also, looking at um, those winners that are um, really dialing it in on the water and the nitrogen use, what can we say about the greenhouse gas footprint associated with less pumping and less nitrogen use? These are the kinds of things that actually have not been um, documented, that kind of footprint, but that's the kind of thing that people are going to want to know, and they're going to start looking at, to, looking at agriculture to say, how well is ag doing with regard to those footprints? TAPS is something that can allow us to actually show how those folks that are performing really super well are not only providing our feed and forage, but they're actually doing it in a way that is actually uh, is, is smart from a greenhouse gas perspective. Well, and having a better handle on your costs, one Nebraska grower here made a comment, and will not be naming names, but he, he said that he could easily raise 300 bushel corn on his operation in Nebraska, but he can't make money on 300 bushel corn. But if he does 240 bushel corn, he can make money because he's leveled down the diesel or the electricity use on pumping water and levered his inputs down. It gets people to look at the farming system in a way we used to talk about in the early 80s, maximum economic yield, but then you bring in the greenhouse gas part of that equation. There's a really cool story. Yes, and then if you tack the water on too, yeah. it becomes it becomes even more so. And in in and in the climate that we're in, so to speak, <laughs> but mostly, I mean, the in the in terms of the social climate and thinking about how. Um, Folks are looking to ag um, to, to perform, to feed the world, but also to be stewards. This actually gives, these kinds of programs actually give us the tools to, to communicate, not just within the farming community to do a better job, but actually I think to communicate to the, the folks that are benefiting from agriculture, the non-agricultural community, to know how the farmers are getting the job done. Well, that's great. Well, Amy Kremens from IIC, thanks for joining me here at uh, Around Farm Progress, and uh, have a great time. I look forward to learning more about that data. Thank you so much for having me. The idea of creating some form of master irrigator training and certification program that spans the country is interesting. Farmers have long worked to make the most of the resources they have, and as more information becomes available, they want to keep getting better. Thanks to Amy Kremen for her discussion of the issues and the work of the Irrigation Innovation Consortium and the potential for an expanded Master Irrigator program. Farmers interested in such a program should reach out to their local land-grant university ag department to discuss the idea. This was an interesting conversation, and if you don't want to miss what we're talking about here at Around Farm Progress, simply subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and more. And if you have a smart speaker, all you have to do is tell it to listen to Around Farm Progress and you'll hear the latest episode. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands as well as Farm Futures, Beef, National Hog Farmer and Feedstuffs. And our events including the Farm Progress Show, Husker Harvest Days, the Farm Futures Summit and the New York Farm Show. And the Farm Futures Summit is coming soon. This event, which kicks off with the Farm Futures Ag Finance Boot Camp on January 18, 2023, fires up full force on Thursday, January 19th with a slate of big speakers. And we just added to the program a conversation between Howard Buffett and farm broadcaster Max Armstrong, who are going to talk about the work being done for farmers in Ukraine. But you're also going to hear from David Cole, 
Jolene Brown, and other top speakers dealing with farm business, succession, management, and marketing issues. It's an information-packed program, and you can learn more at farmfuturesummit.com, including getting your hotel room. We're back in the Iowa City, Iowa area, so an easy drive for a lot of Midwest farmers. Make plans to attend. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening.